This is the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Bounty Hunters, we don't need that scum. A Utini Patreon exclusive featuring Star Wars news and discussion beyond the expanded universe. I have never met a Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. And now, it's time to collect those credits. As you will. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bounty Hunt, a Utini Network podcast where we hunt down all the extra content in the Star Wars universe. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me on this week's hunt to talk all about Andor Episode 6, the eye, is a lovely batch of fellas, starting off with Dr. Corey Hilton. Hey, man. Hello. Hello. We are uh, trying new technology this week, and uh, we're going to see if it's going to work. Maybe it is. We will see. <laughs> I'm feeling good about it. We are using StreamYard for the first time. We've been OBS folks for a while. Uh, some of you know. Some of you don't, and hopefully it'll still be the same great show, and uh, no matter what, I know it's going to be great because we have the glorious Dr. Charles Hankel with us. Happy Saturday, buddy. Hey, guys. Happy Saturday. Glad to be here. Glad glad to talk about this episode. I know you guys already had an opportunity uh, to do so with the good folks over at Star Wars Explained, but uh, I want to join the conversation. Dang it. Yeah, yeah. For those of you that did get to check that out, uh, Corey and I had a great time chatting with our friends Alex and Molly Damon over on, on their 10-year anniversary as well, Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was so fun on Wednesday. Uh, definitely go check out Star Wars Explained if you haven't already. Although if you haven't, I, I don't believe you. Everyone has. You know. Uh, <laughs> but joining us finally to round up our quatrain this weekend, it is not Wes Jenkins as he is on a hunt for the future of humanity to take down the menace that is the deer population of the South or North. <laughs> I forget where you are, Wes. I think you might be in the Dakota. But you know who is here is the glorious upcoming dad, Stephen Smith. What's up, buddy? Hi. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you. You are a, a glorious, luminous presence in our community and in our team. And uh, and you like Andor a bit, we, we hear. Uh, spoiler alert. I, <laughs> I love this episode so much. <laughs> Excellent. This is the kind of spoiler we want on this show. Um. Steven, much like the rest of us, has just been enjoying Andor to an absolutely stupid extent, I would say. It's kind of ridiculous how much we've all been loving this show. Um, and, and this is your first bounty hunt. Welcome. Uh, what we're going to do, I'm going to do a brief recap of the episode. Full spoilers. Full, full spoilers. And, oh my gosh, do not watch this episode without watching Andor first. You don't want to get spoiled for what's going to happen. But then we each have a couple conversational points we're going to bring up. We're each going to lead a little bit of the talk, and we're just kind of kind of gush. It's uh, it's nice to have a show where we don't have to really hem and haw about what we like. So going forward, again, full spoilers, let's dive into Episode 6 of Andor, The Eye. <clears throat> we begin. The Vel Cell, as they're affectionately known on this show, all settle their nerves for the upcoming mission. We meet Commandant Bihaz, who has arrived for the Eye, and the Aldani native people finish up their pilgrimage to the Imperial Garrison for the big event. Cassian, Nemec, Terramin, and Skeen blend in with the Imperial officers as they escort the Aldani to the final sacred site under the watch of Lieutenant Gorn, as Vel and Cinta traverse underwater to plant a communication jammer. Gorn then leads the Commandant and the Vel cell into the base, and once inside, the mission really begins. The gang immediately seals the room and trades their weapons on the Commandant, his wife, and their son. They are now hostages and will be killed if they don't cooperate. Vel and Cinta, meanwhile, join back up with the crew as the gang heads down to the vault, but as they do, 
the comm jammer begins to lose some effectiveness, and the Imperials start to understand what's going on. Once down in the vault, the cell orders the skeleton crew of workers to begin loading up all the Imperial credits onto the getaway ship, and the Donnie continue their ritual as the money gets loaded. The eye begins. One of the most visually stunning events in the entire galaxy, and frankly, the history of Star Wars media. Gorn's treachery is finally revealed to the Commandant, and as the Commander realizes just how big this plan is, reinforcements are on their way. TIE fighters begin loading in at a neighboring air base. They're coming. Additional troops arrive at the vault to question the nature of the robbery as the Commandant has a freaking heart attack, falls down dead, and a firefight ensues, killing both Gorn and Terramin in the chaos. Cassian, Skeen, and Nemec board the escape craft, and Cassian rockets them out of the hangar and into the eye, and it's stunning. It's stunning. Prosecco in it. As the ship climbs, a pile of credits rocket across the floor and crush Nemec's spine. He can't feel his legs, but he's still able to use the navigation device to help Cassian climb! Through the eye, while TIE fighters are in pursuit. This part of the plan, at least, goes as they thought. Nemec's pain worsens, and after much debate, the crew agrees to take him to a doctor that was part of the contingency plan anyway. And they meet the best guy, <clears throat> Quadpaw. The doctor attempts to save the young man's life as Skeen reveals that he has an alternate plan. Abandon Vel and Nemec and split the 80 freaking million credits with Cassian. He never had a brother anyway. Cassian doesn't let him finish the idea as he guns him down and enters the surgery area to find Nemec dead on the table. He demands his cut from Vel, and he leaves. Back on Coruscant, word of the heist has reached the ISB, which is now all hands on deck, and the Imperial Senate, where Mon Mothma's impassioned speech is interrupted by the breaking news. We end on a shot of Luthen selling some merchandise when he is alerted by the mission's success. He excuses himself to the back room and begins to laugh. All right. Uh, God. Fellas. Yeah, thank you, Steven. They never say that to me anymore. You did a good you job. Know, thank you. You know what? Thank you. You're you're welcome anytime. Corey, I love you. Corey, muted. you're muted. I know. I'm still muted. It's usually not good, uh, Steven. This, <laughs> That's true. this is one of the better ones. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we have some quality on this show. Uh, but let's go around <laughs> before we get into our specifics and just talk about what we thought about this episode in very base terms. Uh, but we're in a bit of an order today. Uh, but Steven, as our honored guest, why don't you go first? I know you already said you loved it, but give us a little more. How was the eye to you? So the eye. So first off, before I talk about the eye, I'm convinced this episode is. I'm like blurry. Am I blurry? I got to do like. Oh, you look good. Look good. good. Yeah. You look great. Yeah. I'm. I'm convinced that this is the best thing Disney Plus has ever put out. I. Like, Dang, yes. this is not not just the best Star Wars thing. I think this is the best thing <clears throat> Disney Plus has ever done. It's so in terms of television shows, movies are different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, going back to the eye, though, the what an incredible spectacle that was. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Um, gosh, starting us off strong that that new Mighty Duck show may want to have a chat with you. But um, uh, great, great, great stuff. <laughs> Oh, for Disney Plus, obviously, uh, we got Chuck Quadpaw here in the bottom right. What, what did right. you think, Charles? I am forevermore now Chuck Quadpaw, big Quadpaw <laughs> fan. Um, I, I mean, I thought it was phenomenal. I have to agree with Steven. I think this probably is, and this hurts me to say, I think I've said this on, on Bounty Hunt before because I'm such a big Kenobi fan. I think this was probably the best episode of Star Wars <clears> TV <throat> we've ever gotten. And Dang. whoever drew all those little individual lines to make up the eye, I mean, 
Someone <laughs> did that, I'm sure. I, know. I, I yeah. mean, I don't know how all that stuff Probably works. Probably a but... team of VFX artists. Yeah. All I'd like, to, I'd like to see like a whole behind the scenes on them just creating yeah. that effect. Me too. That was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, Corey, how about you, man? Yeah, I uh, I was blown away by this episode. I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you, Steven. Like, I think it is the best show that's been put on Disney Plus, like, yet. It's so, so good. Um, you know, obviously, Eric, you and I got to talk about it a lot already on Star Wars Explained. You know, if you haven't seen that, go check it out. Alex Damon's channel over on uh, YouTube. And uh, it was a... Uh, it was just a mind-blowing episode. I mean, so much happened. I was very sweaty the whole episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you went like through my, a lot. <laughs> I did. I did. I was I was very, very sweaty and stressed out during this episode. And this is the sixth episode of the season. Like, mm-hmm. why did this it's feel true. like a – like? it feels like a finale. Like, it's weird. Six episodes is like the magic one. We're only halfway there. It's a mid-season finale. So yeah. I really don't see how they're possibly going to top it for a finale um, for the show because – Quite frankly, this was just unbelievably good. I know. I know. That's why I know they're probably going to, but still, I have to say it. Like, yeah, it's just such a good show. We're to acknowledge the majesty of it. And and I know going forward, uh, we've said previously on the show that it's going to be four, three episode arcs. Uh, I did find out this week, apparently, that is slightly correct. But also there is one caveat, as in next week's <clears> episode <throat> seven, it's going to be a standalone episode. And then there will be one more three-episode arc and then a two-part finale. So that's where we're going. Um, but I want to start off our, on our first kind of general point today. I'm looking at our notes, and a lot of us did bring this up. Is this the most visually stunning piece of Star Wars media we've gotten on TV? But also, I want to expand this to the film <clears throat> because my first thought after seeing especially the end of just climbing through the eye, I'm like, this is on par with i think every star yeah. wars movie yeah right that's a great that's a great question there's a there's like a probably a handful of shots i mean let's run through them really fast yeah yeah that are just like the most visually stunning shots in all of star wars um i will start with the holdo maneuver in yeah, the last I Jedi. Yep. yeah yep. i mean that is truly one of the most beautiful visual and audio really even like effects that we've ever seen what else is up there for you guys I, well, I'd say also from the Last Jedi is the fight with uh, when Kylo mm-hmm. and Ray, the Praetorian uh, Guard fight. Yeah, yeah, that, the that fight to me is the red. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love, I love mm-hmm. all that. I think also uh, maybe in Force Awakens the the X wings on the water to Maz's castle. We kind of get mm-hmm. that that whole yep. shot. Um, what about from Rogue One? I love when the Death Star actually fires and takes out the top of that tower yeah. and goes the into green, the water. You can and, see the yeah. green reflection in Krennic's eyes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah this one, is up there with this stuff, I think. Yeah. Right, go ahead. What were you going to say, Steven? Oh, another one that I would add into that is it's actually in episode three. It's where there's like this shot where Anakin is looking out the window and Padme is like yeah, across yeah. the way on Coruscant. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It, it kind of cuts back and forth yeah. between the two of them. He turns and it's like single tear. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no dialogue in that. It's almost like this, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, like yeah. operatic music in the background. Uh-huh. And it's so, yeah. I love that scene. It's so beautiful. But yeah. this yeah. I think would, I don't know, this is at the top for me. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's up there. And, and we've talked recently on, you know, how we can tell that certain shows were filmed in the volume now in retrospect, and now we can see <clears throat> Andor is so much more. And obviously, the eye isn't a real thing. As you said, Charles, someone had to create that. But I remember watching it for the second time, and I'm watching the eye, 
And I'm like, gosh, the reflections on their faces through the glass is so on point. Like, that's the hard stuff for me that I'm like, how? How? Like, it reminded me of Solo. Yeah. Honestly, the Kessel Run is another kind yeah. of visual that I, I really kind of went there. But this is like the Kessel Run with, like, LED RGB lights everywhere. <laughs> and, like, yeah. oh, um, and another <clears throat> shot uh, in this episode I want to compare it to. Andrew Bell on our team posted in our Slack. It's when the TIE fighter pilots are going into their ties and you see the green in the, in the background. And it's at the glorious eye with like this terrifyingness of the TIE fighter pilots getting ready to fly out. Like, yeah, this was, this was cinematic, plain and simple. And I was really, I was really impressed and moved with how, like we didn't just get the eye. Like we like built up to it. Right. Like in the very early on, we got the, you know, the, meteor or whatever flying through and the sound effects they sound like a ship almost in the sky yeah yeah the, guy, yeah the guy was like oh yeah there's the first one you know like it really built up to the fact that it yeah. was going to be epic and i i feel like i feel like by the time we got to it we knew it was going to be really really epic and even then it still knocked my socks off i mean just seriously the, the vfx of the eye and those shots is just it, it's it's very very impressive to be yeah. honest like very very impressive one thing I will say about, so I had actually forgotten that the, like they mentioned the eye early on in episode four, I think, mm-hmm. and, or maybe even before that, but um, they mentioned the eye and then I had forgotten about it. I forgot that it was going to happen, that it was going to be this big event. And then when that first meteor shot across, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, what, what is that? And then, and, but then it, they, and they don't really say much about it. They just kind of let you figure it out as more of them, as more of them show up. And I feel like that for me is why I'm loving Andor is they don't really spoon feed you the information yeah. in the show. Like a lot yeah. of it in terms of like why characters are doing things and, or, or, or different story beats, you kind of have to figure out along the way and wait for it to be revealed to you. And it's, I love that. It doesn't hold your hand and it, yeah. i love it it's great yeah 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 and like rocky says here in the chat too the visual like of just like once you finally get to it like the final visualization of the whole thing was really really awesome and yeah incredible like I mean, you understand why impressed. the donnie will walk across the whole area to to witness this thing like if, if you're if you could take these visuals and combine them with like a religious experience like yeah. I, I get it like this, if this is the kind of thing that like your your god or what have you is is putting on in the universe, I'm like, yeah, okay, you know yeah, what? That's, that's, <laughs> I they it. really got that. Yeah, it's kind of secondary to just the visuals of the lights in the sky. The sort of cultural thing that we got all around the event itself was really pretty cool. I think that actually that's probably what Rocky is talking about here in the chat is yeah. like. Like, uh, I loved how diverse the group was, yep. first of all. Like, it was an incredibly diverse group of humans, right? Mm-hmm. That was cool. Um, I loved that they had a different language, that, again, we're seeing that 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 no subtitles for a different language, which I mm-hmm. love. Oh, my God, I love that. That is so cool. And then, like, at the very – at the peak moment, like, they're all crying and they're singing and this choral kind of music. Like, it was awesome, man. They really got that right. Yeah, that amazing juxtaposition of, like – we are celebrating our most amazing moment as down in the barrels, like this chaotic battle is going on. Like it was really, again, I, I get why you were sweaty, Corey. Uh, it was, it yeah. was this huge moment. Um, and you know, we, we just mentioned something about hands and, and I, I look for segues all the time. You know, I do Chuck Charles. I got to give you this hands <laughs> moment. Cause let's talk about your dude. We have two doctors on the show and we finally yeah. got another freaking surgeon. Um, Let's talk about some of the medical stuff in this show, but but Charles, 
walk us through what Dr. Quadpaw uh, did to you in this episode and why he well, took up half your notes here. Quad, <laughs> Quadpaw is like my favorite thing to come out of this episode, probably, <laughs> probably next to the eye, um, mostly because how is it canon that his name is Quadpaw and he has four arms? I don't, like, I don't know. Is that, his, is that his birth name? Like, there's no, no way he, he had to have Jill- become Jill- Dr. Quadpaw. I don't and, know. And he actually looks really similar to Maz Kanata and Lobot. Like, yeah. 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 So, like, the, I think. I don't. I know it doesn't make any sense, uh, like in actual canon, but in my head, that he is their child, and there's some OG, just, there's some OG vibes in there too. There are some OG oh, yeah, vibes, yes. yeah, with, with yeah. the goggles. Uh, but I think my favorite thing about Doctor Quadpaw is that he's probably hurting for business, right? Because he's like living in a <laughs> hut in the middle of nowhere, yep. and I think I good. see why. I think I know why he's hurting for business, guys. I think he's not a good doctor because <laughs> Go on. he was using four ungloved hands to perform neurosurgery on poor Nemec. So I'm not surprised that Nemec died. I don't know about you guys, but no. like I would. So I actually got I got spoiled. It took me a day to watch this, and you know how Twitter is nowadays. I got spoiled. I knew that Nemec was going to die, even though that was you know you kind of had that suspicion to begin with. But as soon as I saw those naked quad paws, I was like, for sure, right, he's, he's done screwed, for man. I yeah. made that I made that joke on Star Wars Explain. I said that Nimic didn't die because he got crushed by you know all the gold. He died because he had spinal neurosurgery performed on him while he was laying on his side. By the way, like what the <laughs> hell kind of position is that to put somebody in with a spinal operation with a doctor that had no gloves on and he didn't have any anesthesia either? So true. Like, no. He just had a oh, mask on. Man. Like you, you, oh what the hell, man? Like of course he died. Poor doctor guy, killed me, dude. Freaking murdered him. <laughs> no, I want to ask you, Steven. I know. I hope the rebellion has that built into the some of that money, the $80 million. Maybe they can spend that on. Well, guys, practice. that's episode seven. It's a medical drama. Yeah. It's a it's standalone of Quad suing Dr. Quad <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get the uh we're gonna get the the like psychopath surgeon from uh episode four i can't remember his name oh uh, um uh uh evazon uh, yeah evazon yeah, evazon yeah. is gonna testify at the trial Absolutely. <laughs> or uh or the, the mod guy from uh from book of boba fett oh uh, yeah that's yeah, what we exactly. needed he, he's got 100 percent success rate as far as we've seen on screen right he can just oh, yeah. whatever he wants and he's a great bass guitar player so he is in all actuality, Thundercat. <laughs> Thundercat, it's a baby. real thing. Yeah. Uh, now, Stephen, back back on last week's episode, we all kind of uh, made our predictions of who was or wasn't going to make it. Uh, and as we said, this one seemed kind of obvious to us. Did this one take you by surprise, or were you kind of expecting it as well? I was not expecting it. I thought he was going to pull through. And and when that went, but here's the thing though. Looking back on it, it's at the beginning of this episode. He's like, he's come around on Cassian. Mm-hmm. He's he's like the only one in the group who's like optimistic. It's yeah. like, oh, going to die. Like, that's just <laughs> kind of how it goes. It's like the one yeah. who's like the, the nicest one of the group is the one who gets the short end of the stick. And the, but yeah. the moment when when they when that the payload slides back and crushes mm. him genuinely shocked me, though. Same, like, same. Yeah, I, I found myself audibly <clears throat> gasping when you hear him kind of get like crushed behind that thing. And yeah. uh, so it's so sad, though, because and I was like, he'll make it. He'll be fine. They're going to the doctor. He'll be fine. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> going to the, that always works. As, I Charles, mean, as Charles and I know, that doesn't mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the thing in science fiction, though, right? Is that, like, every single show that we've almost ever had, Star Wars and otherwise, up to this point, if you just get them there, then you're usually pretty good. Just like that, that that's the hard part of it, you know what I mean? And then it's like, uh, like, the, but the metaphor of, of that being the reason <clears throat> that that it happens, you know, of like, oh, they make it through all the Imperial stuff, and then the success of the mission literally crushes him. Yeah. Of his own faith, his own let's belief just, um, is like so resonant. Let's just let's just shift the conversation entirely. Talk about Nimic for a minute. Let's do I it. Think, I because love, I love you. Nimic, love you. <laughs> I know Nimic is i think without a doubt i'm not sure if anyone will disagree the best character that we've had so far in this show like yeah he's such a lovable character yeah. alex said on on, on stars explained that like he knew immediately that he was screwed as soon as he was such a lovable likable character he knew he was screwed but let's talk about him for a minute because yeah. this character is very interesting we've never seen anybody in star wars be so philosophical or or political science about like the rebellion and stuff. And that is very cool and interesting and unique because that I feel like that's like a, a key part of every societal revolution has to have those people, right? That yeah, are he's kind very of the, eloquent about every bit of it. Yeah. They're, they're the, they're the, the, they're the preachers kind of about the, mm -hmm. about the revolution, you know? And, and like, that was really cool to see that, like that was sort of developed over the course. He keeps having these more and more like intense rants almost about like the state of the galaxy and stuff. And that's obviously rubbing off on, on Cassian as well. Mm -hmm. And I love that we concluded with the fact that all of these political ramblings have been given to Cassian at the end. So mm -hmm. yeah. he's a cool character. It's, that's how Nemec's legacy I think is going to live on is the lessons that Cassian gets from that manifesto moving forward. And it's hard not to think because, you know, he was the youthful guy with all these great ideas. And, you know, you could see him writing some hella good speeches. Like, he would have been part of the Rebellion's leadership, I think. <laughs> oh, my word, yeah. Eric. Just changed his name to Nemec's crushed spine. <laughs> oh, dear. That is so dark. But <laughs> Nemec, Nemec would have been up there, I think, honestly, with, like, Mon Mothma. Like, maybe he yeah, wouldn't have I made agree. the speeches, but, like, he would have he would have been writing like the speeches behind the scenes, I think in, yeah. in developing some of those ideas. And yeah. I think the way that he challenged Cassian and they had those conversations about like, well, what do you believe Cassian? Like, are you really here just for the money? Like those questions are going to kind of haunt Cassian as he goes through that manifesto. And I think that's going to be what propagates him to come around and really become like, no, I'm like here for the rebellion. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine we we get to the point where where he does survive and we get to Coruscant and he gets to meet Mon he gets to see be in those meetings see the rebellions like kind of see that whole thing happen uh like i feel like that this was a goal he was always going to but he's also you know in retrospect if you had to tell him hey you're not going to make it but your sacrifice will do this i think he would also be like i think that's cool I think I'm good with yeah. that. You know, I think that he expected this, and I think this will be in the manifesto, which I desperately hope, like Inside Editions, like publishes for us. I want to read it. You know, <laughs> like I want, I want to buy this. Um, but he had no stuff. place there, man. Like he was not a soldier. No, you do, you do have to. Although like, he was a crack shot, though. That one <laughs> shot was, he hit, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sick. he held his own, but you know, you do. I think it does make you think that the rebellion is really hurting for. For people yeah you know because yeah, like he's sure. not someone who probably should have been like front line like that but he was yeah but i think that like the the rebellion in some ways is a mixture of both soldiers and 
philosophy because it's not right. like it and, is like and that's but that's what this show is doing though it's more than just like you know empire bad rebellion good it's like which is i think here's the thing love star wars but it's been really binary for a long time and this mm -hmm. show is showing a lot of the gray area that all that both sides have to kind of dis decipher through um yeah. and i think that people like like nemec are the ones that are giving people a reason to a, a reason to fight at all other than like well we want to have a rebellion it's like well what's right. why why have a rebellion yeah i mean yeah, the, I, the heroes bound and gagged and threatened to kill a child in yeah, this episode and we're and we're Maybe. like cheering them on but he I was know. always and, sick like who cares now he won't be sick anymore <laughs> You know, and bang, maybe bang. and maybe she did kill all of those kids. Like are the, those people, yeah, yeah, we, don't we, we need to come. Let's let's come back to that in a minute. I wanted to highlight yeah. uh, Caroline's point here that like Nimic should be the speechwriter for Mon. I love that. Oh my god, in a West <laughs> Wing show, yes, yes, that's yes. perfect. Um, yeah, I I think uh, I think having this political ideology stuff with Nimic has just been really incredible and i hate to see him go man it really really broke my heart i was pretty torn up for probably two to three hours after i watched mm -hmm. it my wife was literally in tears we had to have like a moment like after we finished yeah. the show of like this was very upsetting and i don't think that i have ever walked away i have not walked away from any other star any other single star wars project feeling like this other than rogue one i remember walking out of rogue one yeah. feeling this deep melancholy emotional feeling of like i really want to see this again this hurt me like this visualization hurt me emotionally and that's how i felt coming out of this episode i'm like this is live action tv is doing this to me man this is crazy and i think nimic yeah. is really the reason for that i mean he was the ideology sort of of the group like he was the representation of the group and to lose him so brutally too was just incredibly heartbreaking yeah yeah and, and, and I and I like how that kind of tied into uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, which was obviously at the end of the episode, I know we're bouncing all over the place, which is great, um, but but Skeen. I think that yeah. that final moment uh, for a couple reasons was shocking. One, I loved that throughout the episode, we do still see Skeen. That was a horrid tongue twist, twister. Still see Skeen, um, like showing <laughs> a lot of affection towards Nemec. Like he clearly loves this yeah. kid. And I think that that was really beautiful and i kind of wonder if even after we get the the revelation that he doesn't have a brother whether you believe that or not i think that he, that is how he viewed nemec so maybe it's like he lost him again you know what i mean mm -hmm. um although he technically didn't know he was dead at that point i think your mileage may vary but do you guys think uh, that he had a, he had dialogue about that actually he said something along the lines about i knew he was dead immediately didn't he i think he did oh or did he i'm, did I'm he pretty sure gone? he did Oh. I'm pretty sure he did. Like, not, not, not that I literally, I literally knew yeah. he's dead, but it was something along the lines. I knew as soon as I saw him that he was screwed. Kind of. Yeah. Dialogue. I'm pretty sure that was a piece of dialogue in there about, yeah. about Nimic from Skeen. But Skeen was also, um, also shocking. Um, yeah. To me, a little bit. That 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 whole scene just totally shocked me. Just like the way Dang. it played out, the way Skeen sort of changed, and when Gassy and freaking Quickdraw shot him in the chest, I was I did like, not expect that. No. Me neither. Me either. That really shook me i was like hot yep. damn like it that happened really quickly it was really interesting to see um you know the sort of how that speech that he was giving sort of the monologue about how screw everybody else is just it's just we're here just for ourselves affected mm -hmm. cassian and it's interesting to see him rejecting that a little bit like yeah and also the acting of diego luna and this it was unbelievable i mean you could see the emotion in his face and realizing like oh god if, if i don't do this you're gonna like i'm not gonna make it to the next planet 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, you're telling me I can split this money. Yeah. Okay. We've all seen that movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah. you're going to take 40 when you could have 80 and just kill me in tomorrow. Yeah. It also plays into who Diego Luna or who Cassian eventually becomes in rogue one. The opening yep. of rogue one is we see him. He, he kills that dude who's working with him. And it's yeah. like, I think the parallel there, huh? Cause he's a liability. He kills him. He's a yeah. liability. Yeah. It, it's the same. It's the same scenario here though, is like, he's like, this dude's a liability for me, whether I go with him or for the team right now, like this guy can't stick around. And so I yeah. think yeah. it plays into his ideology in the long run of, I got to nip it in the bud before it ends up biting me. He was a lot yeah. more comfortable though. I, I do think we might even see it continue from here because when he killed the guy, albeit on accident, you know, at first in, in like the very first episode, he was shook by the fact that he killed that guy. Yeah. Now the second guy, he then just shot point blank, but he like, he didn't want to in this, in this instance, he drew that gun with every intent. Like he knew what he was doing. Like he, he was adamant about, you know, taking that action. And so we've seen him develop even in a relatively short time, you know, now he's not only willing to do that if it comes to it, but he's, you know, if the opportunity arises, like he's kind of taking it, it's, it's pretty yeah. dark. <clears throat> no, I want to ask you guys this. If, if the credits don't fall and we don't hear that crunch, right. And we don't go to the doctor planet. We just go to wherever the, the initial rendezvous was. Do Skeen and Cassian had that conversation? Do you think that Skeen still tries to bring that up or because Nemec is still there and everything's still and, – and the, the plan kind of keeps don't know. going? I have I have a lot of trouble with that, I think, because I – and I don't know that we will ever figure it out. Like I don't know if Skeen was real ever, like if it was always – if he was always just like a, a, a shitbag. <laughs> yeah. Or if – or if like – or if he, or he kind of snapped because, you know, his buddy – No, ne- no like, Nemec snapped. That, that was the problem. Yeah, Nimic snap, which caused Skeen to snap, and then Cassian snapped. You know, I mean, yeah, everybody <laughs> snapped. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Skeen's motivations are interesting. I don't know if he was always a, a villain, I guess, or if he just sort of, I don't know. Well, and the way that I kind of viewed it is, at first, I thought that he was testing Cassian. He's like, oh, I'll, I'm mm-hmm. going to test, like, because they they never had a good relationship from the jump. Like mm-hmm. right. he never trusted Cassian and then vice versa. And then I think the way that I, as that whole exchange was playing out, I thought that it was that uh Skeen was like, I still don't trust Cassian. So let's just see if he buys into this and then I'll rat. That's, I thought that he was going to try and rat Cassian out and it seemed yeah. like it was going that direction. So when Cassian just straight up murdered him, uh, that was double shocking for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you look back, like with Skeen, mm. he probably, I don't think he was evil the whole time. I don't think he could have been. And I mostly say that because how did he get there? Like, how did he get included in this group to begin with? It's not like he could have known the rebellion was a pathway to millions of credits. Like, that, there's mm-hmm. yeah. no reason to think that. So, I'm joining up with this because it's going to happen at some rich. point. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, so, right. sleeping on a bush or something you know and they wouldn't just invite anybody in either like he proved himself somehow to be in that group so i think we saw the the worst parts of skiing come through (laughs) in that moment and when he lost nemec as that angel on his shoulder good influence pulling him towards us that 
that is when you know he couldn't hold it back anymore. He made a bad decision and he and he paid the price. I, I think that's it, and I think that, like Rocky's comment we saw, like I think that Netmec is why he he was on the good side. I think that's kind of yeah. where the as many days after I've been processing it, I think that's where I'm landing as well. That he probably was in it for the right reason at least to start, and now I think after this mission, he's like, you know what, I'm I I'm done. I'm not going to survive the next four of these, and if I'm in this rebellion, I'm just going to do this until I die. So I yeah. might as well just cut yeah. bait at this point. Well, and this is yeah. this was mission number one for them. And it, yeah. it, it, here's the thing: they got out, but like some someone died, and then someone they had to leave on the planet. The whole thing was kind of a disaster, honestly. Yeah. Half and I think of for him, he's like, I'm out. like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna take my money and run. I do think there was an interesting moment too with Skeen where um, I I took it as like foreshadowing, but I didn't understand it in the moment when Terraman says, "Cover me," and he runs out. Skeen at first is covering him and then he pulls back while Terraman's yeah. still running. And that's right when he gets shot in the back. And so yep. in a way it was kind of that first moment of like, Whoa, why, why would he do that? And I don't know that it was really meant mm. that way in the writing, but looking back, I still don't really fully understand why he did. Yeah. Was he trying to cut the crew down some? So <laughs> I don't, that it was I don't think so. I think I, it was, I think it was a moment of cowardice. I think maybe yeah. so. What yeah. He was trying yeah. to portray. I mean, he is, uh, he's up him from saving private Ryan, right? He like loses his, <laughs> he loses yeah. his cool a little bit there. Cause he's, this is, this is the first firefight he's in. I mean, if he is really like Cassian, kind of it's implied that he is that he's just really in it for himself and that sort of stuff like maybe this is his first real battle and he's decided that yeah. you know as finn decided that he doesn't want anything to do with it right so yeah, yeah. they were farmers you know i think that that yeah. he talked about his brother had these, these and whether his brother is real or whether he's talking about himself in that story maybe he maybe he was the one that had all the tree farms maybe he was the mm. one that the empire screwed over and he's using mm. his brother as like a catalyst to you know yeah hide himself like how many times has he held that weapon? Like he's obviously can do something with it, but I think that there's a, as we all can assume, there's a lot different, a lot of difference between holding a gun, learning to march and actually being in the midst of a firefight. When you were told you wouldn't have to be, they were told all they'd have to do is hold some guns and scream and load up a, you know, load it up. And then all of a sudden there's tons of people fighting at you. I think it's very different. I'm also just convinced that he's, the same character from the bear. <laughs> yeah, Thank, yeah. Yes. I, come on. <laughs> Shout out to the bear. The, oh, the two best shows of the year, maybe. <laughs> he plays a really good sleazy guy. He does. He yeah. does. He, he does. Which, no, I, speaking of sleazy stuff, can I just say that when Cassian bounced, um, they had mm-hmm. they had established that no one else could fly that ship, right? Like, yeah. So like that's why yeah. Skeen even was like, "Hey, you and I can get out of here." Otherwise, yep. Skeen yeah. could have gone and tried to take the ship himself. So, like. Let's talk about the fact Ooh. that Cassian did still, even though he got them out, he did still screw Vel over because she's yeah. stuck there with Quadpaw um, with all that money <laughs> and no way to get it off the planet because she can't fly that thing. I yeah. think, uh, yeah, I, gosh, I, I, I hope next next episode is just Vel and Quadpaw for a solo just chilling, being like, well, so uh, we'll be here in a week. Guys, so what do you is do? Is like a taxi service or do you guys have Uber <laughs> here? Like- Uber. <laughs> We play some cards, and he's always cheating because yeah. he has like other cards behind his back. That's with a good question. Paws. Also, Vel seemed weirdly okay with the fact that Cassian was leaving. That was odd to me. Um, I, I wonder if if that was an editing thing, or if, if there was if there's more to the story there. Um, Maybe are they safe on this moon? Are, are they close? Like, mm. I don't know. It felt weirdly. Uh, this is an editing thing. It, it felt weirdly close, like to 
uh, wherever they were, whatever the that planet is. Oh yeah, called. yeah. Planets in Star Wars are always like five minutes away. No, even if they're yeah, like ten thousand them next system. You know. Yeah, we never saw them enter hyperspace. I don't think did we? I don't think no. so. so. I don't think like, would that thing have had hyperspace capabilities? Probably I guess not. Maybe, but I don't. I don't know. But it. It. I thought it was interesting. They landed it. There was. Wasn't there another planet in the sky? Like, is it a moon of this planet? That seems like a bad place yeah, to hide. There was and a. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about. But you guys, if I'm like leaving Earth, I don't want to just go to the moon and hide. You know what I mean? Like, right like, under there. Seemed like a. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. So I don't know. That well, was interesting. But the Vel thing was interesting to me too because. <laughs> You know, maybe she's stranded there. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure she gets off at some point. Do we see her come back? Because the last thing that she knows of Cassian is that he kind of betrayed them or at least left her stranded. I assume right. she would, her and Cinta, if Cinta got out, um, that they would still be a part of the rebellion. And it's not yeah. that big of an operation at this point. So we're probably going to jump ahead in time. Do we see maybe Vel and Cassian have to work together again? in the Maybe. future and then Vel has to decide whether or not she can trust them. I think it's, right. it could be an interesting thing. I have information for us. Then the planet, according to the trivia episode guide on starwars.com that they go to quad paw is called Fresno, not California, <laughs> but it is spelled F R E Z N O. Fresno. It's literally what it's called. Oh, that's pretty funny. Okay. And all they, all they have on the book right now, because obviously this is a brand new planet for the episode. Uh, it's a planet located in a forgotten sector of the galaxy, not far from Eldani. Um, so every I think time, we can assume listen, it's not hyperspace. Every time I hear anything about the show that's just not like totally Star Wars, like and w- with what little I know about Tony Gilroy, I just I, I just think in my head that Tony Gilroy just continually doesn't understand Star Wars. So so he <laughs> like, like writes cool the script. And he's like, all right, so they're gonna go hide out in Fresno, California, and all the writing team is like. <laughs> No, we can't. We can't do that. Earth is not a thing in Star Wars. He's like, no, no, no. It'll be fine. It'll be Fresno. So they like, all right, compromise. The planet is called Fresno, but no one ever <laughs> explains it. No one ever explains it to, to Tony Gilroy. Like, so he just thinks that they're in Fresno, California, the whole time, and it's not until after the fact, right? Same thing amazing. with the Doctor Quad Paw. It's the same thing. Right? Yeah. It's like, all right, Although- a bear with four arms. <laughs> <laughs> Someone made a great point that I think it was. Our, I think it was Jacob that said like. Quadpaw really kind of harkens back to some of the Kenner toys that were like hammerhead face or yak yeah, face. Uh-huh. Yeah, like that's a good very point. Actually, classic Star Wars name of like what is it just is. what are hammerhead? You? What yeah. are the two Snaggle words we tooth. can use? Snaggletooth, mm-hmm. Quadpaw. Like he's absolutely a Kenner toy, yeah, like a hundred percent. Now earlier we we mentioned her a bit, but but Charles, you had a really great point about this, um, and Stephen as well. Let's chat about um, kind of where we leave the others at the end, especially Cinta. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen, what did you think about uh, Cinta when we saw her walking out? Like, where where are you on what she did or didn't do, and where she's going? It actually didn't register for me at first. I was like, oh, she got out, cool. But then, as it like clicked, like as I thought about it for like a day, I'm like, wait a minute. But like, she was holding all those people <clears> hostage, <throat> including a child. Are like, I I think that she killed all of them because she looked upset. Wasn't oh, she yeah. crying at the end? She yeah. looked distraught. And yes. here's yeah. the thing. It's not like the people are going to see her in an Imperial uniform and be like, hmm, don't know who that is. Like, she, <clears throat> her, for a liability for herself, she had to have killed them in order to survive because that way no yeah. one knows who she is. Because no one was oh, running after her being like, stop her. She's held us hostage. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a storyline to go. Yeah. I mean, th- that like I wanted to highlight this 
this comments that we got way earlier ago. Bit, uh, Bert, I'm not even sure if Bert is still watching, but this was a great comment. That what what are our thoughts on Chekhov's belt and explaining expanding waistline, taking a dark turn when an Imperial commandant suffer a heart attack after performing forced labor? Like this is grown up Star Wars. Like we're seeing like yeah medical consequences. Yeah, like yeah. I thought I, that I, I, was I, that really dark. I love oh, the phraseology of Chekhov's belt. Like Chekhov's Chekhov's belt. Like, <laughs> like you see the belt hat. So Chekhov's gun, for those of I me, mean, I know is a theatrical term. It where, is. In Chekhov's plays, when you, if you show a gun in a play, you have to use it by the end. That's or it has to pay off. So when we see the uh-huh. belt, the belt is there for a reason. It's not it's not to make a fat joke. It's not to do a thing. It's to intentionally show that he is out of shape. So by the end, that pays off. And I'm like, that is such a a specific thing. And I love the way you said that, Bert. And mm. again, I we I sound like a broken record at this point, but that's not something we see in any no. other show. It's right. really, really dark. I mean, if if that is, I'm not sure if we'll ever get confirmation of that. Um, but like, if that is the story that they just told on TV that the rebellion killed a bunch of hostages, that's a really dark storyline. It's a war crime, man. Like that's yeah. like pretty, pretty dark stuff. That's, also, I think Claude Paul was stuff. that guy's doctor, cle- clearly, because <laughs> fitness was not working for him. Maybe it all goes that back was, to Claude Paul. I, I will say, but, I found that I found that to be a little bit striking, just in general. Like that, we had this funny little story arc of this imperial who's fat and like he, he's overweight, and he's like. Like, like they're they're implying that he's of not of good health because of his gluttonous lifestyle, right? Yeah. Because yep. he's yeah. he, he says let's like imperial. go tuck into a, like a nice table or something like that. Yeah, later. exactly. Yeah, like he's, they, he's right. Clearly... Literally says they're so fat and satisfied. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. And then we and then oh, we yeah. see him like really struggling through that whole scene of the physical labor. It really seems yeah, yeah. And then he has a heart attack and dies like yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. what an interesting thing to do. They didn't have to do that at all. But that's like there were story bits of that character yeah. arc throughout this entire episode. Everything from like, like talking about drinking with the uh, with his higher up and stuff. Like it was it really portrayed this story that this guy is a gluttonous powerful you know guy so you know, you know. What was oh bert is still watching hello bert thank you thanks for the thanks super, super chat, chat. Too. Thanks yeah. for answering the question yeah yeah absolutely I, th- I thought it was a, a really interesting idea to bring in the heart attack by the way we've never seen anybody have a heart attack i've never heard that described like at, we had our sure, medical yeah. episode like a, t- a year ago or something charles remember yeah, all yeah. the all of the all of the science of medicine in Star Wars is pretty wackadoodle, to be honest. So, yeah, we keep like, getting more, which is so fun. You yeah, I some something I noticed with uh, that Imperial officer and his family. I don't know if you guys felt this way, but for me, it felt like his family was not down with what the Empire was about. Like they seemed like they were just like kind of icky with with the things that he was doing and, and what we see in the, just how the empire is. I don't know. It's like, they just felt not down with, with him. Yeah. 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 He was really mean to his son. He was like, he's always sick. He's always sick. And the mom's like, Oh, he's got a fever. And yeah. He's like, don't you want to get off of this stinking planet? Like, I just love that family dynamic there. Even it felt like like, yells at him too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like do whatever they say. Like it's obviously there is some, you know, differencing oh, yeah. of uh, ideology between the family a little bit there yeah. too. So sorry. Yeah. And it's, no, no, it's like it's like those kids I that you see in uh, in the limelight on Twitter or TikTok whose like parents run for office, and the kids are like, "My parent, my dad sucks." Like they're very much <laughs> like, "Don't vote for him; he's a liar." And I'm like, if this kid has that kind of vibe, that's like, I don't like him. Like, maybe the kid likes Eldon. Maybe the kid 
actually likes this and the mother <laughs> just cares about her son and it's like no. maybe pre-empire they had a happier marriage when it was the republic or whatever or what have you but like she and the kid are clearly on a different side and I think it was like, Rock, Rock, like Rocky says, he, the kid doesn't want to wear the clothes either. That yep. was a small oh. little detail. He doesn't want to do anything with his dad. And I, and yeah, I think it's I interesting, though, that this commandant, who, by the way, another great Star Wars performance of we meet him and we lose him. Same episode, but very memorable um, on that actor. I thought it was really cool that when push came to shove, he did want to protect his family. You know, at the end of the day, like he, he did say do whatever they want be okay because they're going to kill my family like he, he he did love them in his way i feel like i'm making yeah. apologies for him because oh. he is kind of a dick but you know what i mean <laughs> like I, I saw that i i think but i think it, it, it both can exist in the sense that i think that he can love them and he can be a dick and <laughs> like, he, like his, he has a love for the empire too. he's like uh. i just i'm trying to like he really wants to advance in his career Yep. And, it, and, it, and it really shows in a really negative way. And he really loves his family. I think he's doing it because he loves his family, but it's like kind of taken over his morality in a way. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's what's, that's what's nice. Harkening back to what you said earlier, Stephen, about how Star Wars is always so binary and it's either a good guy or a bad guy. And Luke Skywalker at the end of the day, at least <clears> in the original trilogy, he's a pretty one note dude, right? Yeah. But everyone in this series, from that guy to Cassian to, uh, I mean, really everyone is very multifaceted. And yeah, you can, we've already been surprised by actions people have made and choices they've made. And I think that's going to continue. I, I really feel like the story wise, it's just wide open. Yeah. And, and I think like we make a lot of cool points about all these characters. And we, uh, I always hear as, a, as an actor, you know, your character is is the lines you say and the and the lines that people say about you, right? And Rocky actually has a great comment here. I, I just wanted to highlight um, where he talks about the commandant and he says uh, Gorn hated the guy, and he said like he'd rather be in hell or something, you know, mm -hmm. than dealing with him. And I thought that was like a fascinating way to say it. Also, Corey's abandoned us because he hates us, and maybe Bye. he'll be back soon. Uh <laughs> Oh, Corey. oh gosh, Corey's power went out. No, we're still going live, baby. All right, so while Corey gets back, uh, I did want to hit then uh, one other thing that you said here, Charles, um, as we as we kind of ended the the whole episode. Mm -hmm. The band broke up. I love how you said that. You know, we got Skeen, Nemec, Terramin, gone. Cassian maybe did something despicable. Cinta maybe did something despicable. So, like, if we do see this crew reunite, right, hypothetically, with which that being said, I, I, I don't think we're going to see them. Definitely not in episode seven. Probably not in the next right, right. arc. Are, are they like, oh, hey, Val, we cool? I'm back in the Rebellion. Sorry, I know I had to peace out and abandon you. But, like, what in the world does that do? I don't, I, I don't know. Because I think, like, on one hand... I think she kind of knew what she was getting in a way. Like she knew that she wasn't get when she got when she got Cassian. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mm -hmm. think she thought she was getting someone for the long haul. Um, oh sure. And I, but I don't know though. It's like, things did not end on a good note, and she didn't seem too pleased <laughs> about that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That doesn't answer your question at all. No, I kind of like <laughs> the I, answer I, I think... is we don't know. But yeah. it, it's an interesting question, and I. 
for some reason in my head, I see we know Cassian stays with with the rebellion, you know, but we know everything's very splintered. So they could right. both remain with the rebellion in one way or another and not cross paths. But I feel like they're going to probably in a pretty crucial moment. And we're going to have to see Vel put like the rebellion above her own feelings. Right. Ooh, and sure. and say, like, I have to trust this guy for the good of the mission, because that's what's best for the rebellion, even though she doesn't trust him on a personal level. But Cassie's probably grown by that point enough where he's maybe able to gain her trust through whatever it is that he does. Because right now to her, he's a mercenary and he acted yeah. like a mercenary. Yeah, he did the job. He got paid and he got out like out, out of all of them. He was kind of weirdly at the end of the day, the most honest one. He's like, he didn't accept the bribe to increase his price. He didn't just join up there with the rebellion because of an emotional thing. He, he kind of did exactly what he said he was going to do. So she can't really be too mad at him, I guess. Right. You know what I mean? You it's know, kinda... and on that note too, of Cassie being the most honest one in the previous episode, when it, basically Cassian gets outed and he has like the, they, they see the Kyber crystal and it, people don't trust him. I, I love that he immediately was like, I'm getting paid. That's, that's why yeah. I'm here because I feel like in a lot of storylines, not, not star Wars, but just movies in general is that we see there becomes like a schism between people working together because of a lack of communication. Like there is a lack of trust purely because people just don't talk to each other. Like a lot of stuff, here's the thing, as much as I absolutely love The Last Jedi, Holdo withholding information from Poe made him not trust her. And it kind of, right. it created this animos- unnecessary animosity between them. And I love that Cassian right out the gate was like, hey, I don't want people looking over my shoulder. I don't want to be looking over my shoulder and thinking someone's com- coming for me. So right. I'm here for the money, but I'm but I am here though. And I just, I don't know. Great writing. So good. Yeah. I, I, that's what we keep coming back to, I think, with the Gilroys. Because obviously this arc being written by Dan Gilroy, the first arc being written by Tony, uh, there's just something special with the way they harness Star Wars and, and the morality. And and what I want to end on here is one of your points here, Stephen, where you're talking about this gray area of morality that we see. Obviously, we've talked a lot about some of the rough... Uh, <laughs> The rough events, that's really putting it lightly, that the that this crew has gone through during this episode and the, the extent to which they go through to complete the mission. But I love what you said about the, the Empire being appalled by certain things that these now rebels do despite their actions. So, so chat a little bit about why is it such a big deal that a single child kind of got taken hostage by people who are essentially a fascist uh, regime? Like, why was that so fascinating to see? I, I thought it was interesting because I think, I mean, in the formation of, so a couple things, I think in the formation of the rebellion, we're seeing them like they are starting from nothing. Like they, they yeah. have no money and which is why this whole mission exists to begin with, which real quick, I, I don't know about you guys. I thought that it, the, the Imperial payroll was going to be like a list of names and they were going to dox all these i didn't know i thought i oh, thought really? the same thing steven i thought the exact oh. same thing i didn't know it was physical i thought like, it was pay money. for people yeah and but I, that's cool even when they got to the place i'm like oh those are records of all the people right only until one spilled over i'm like oh it's actually cash this is cash <laughs> we're getting cash and that was that was i'm like oh, okay that makes, makes sense like they they need money and so to my point is that they're at a point where 
they're figuring it out as they go. Like they're like, we're here for the money. But a lot of the stuff is like, there is no code of ethics for the rebellion. It's not like they have a list of things that they do and they don't. They're, they're really just kind of figuring it out from the right. bare bones. And I think as part of that, they make rash decisions. And that part of that is taking a child hostage because for them, it's the child is not a child. He's right. He is an obstacle and also a pawn to be able to get them through th this mission of mm. it, plain, plain and simple. And it's like, it sounds dirty and it is. Um, and, but that's, I think what's so interesting about this is like, if you think about this from a political standpoint um, in, in the real world, I think the people in the empire, th these are the most interesting villains for me are people that think that they're the good guy and they think yes. that they're doing the right thing. And the, and the people in the empire, like they think they're like, no, I'm doing the right thing. Like the empire is like clearly better than the Republic. And they, they, I don't think going back to the parallel of what it always is, is, uh, or what star Wars was from the beginning is fascism. And so Nazi Germany, most of the people in that thought they were doing the right thing because the person right. that we were listening to, they believed what they were saying. And I think that's just the interesting thing about this is the empire. They're like, they're not bad or good. I mean, they're bad, but they think that they're the good guys at the end of the day. Right. We're bringing order to this, you know, order is the, is the big thing where there's inspections. There is time. Everything is cleaned. Like, like the biggest punishments that Gorn has been giving out the last couple episodes we're all about, this isn't painted. Why is there stuff everywhere? Like we are bringing order to a chaotic world of people that are not like us. And I think that they see that as a service because they want to feel, you know, in control and things like that. And then we see the things like the ISB and Coruscant, which is so pristine. And I think they're like, why would anyone like to be that? And if a few, you know, we got to break a few dishes as it were on the way. Why wouldn't you? But we also see that aspect of, of the empire, and the parallels with colonialism and the way that they view the Aldani people. And they're like, oh, yeah. they're, just, they're just uncivilized. They the won't know. It'll be better for them once we come in and clean things up for these yeah. uncivilized people. And they, they view them as just very one-sided individuals when at the end of the day, the Aldani are complex and they have these interesting religious traditions. And that for me, in terms of these, this is, you know, the sixth episode. So it's, the second arc. So the first arc ended with that, with a reckoning and it had all the people banging like that town of people banging on their, the metal. And that was their culture. And that was their thing. And the world building in this show has just been so fascinating. Yeah. And then the end of this, uh, this arc that we have is a new kind of reckoning where we see a new culture of people and they're watching this, the eye, and it's really important to them. And we see without huh. it being, explained it's like oh this is the intricate traditions of this it's like it's this really powerful show don't tell um yeah yeah i love that i mean we're seeing gosh if that's what that if that's the way the show is going because everything's intentional right we get the small community rising up and then at the end of this episode coruscant is now hearing about a planet or so kind of rising up and then at the end of the night like what is going to keep happening going and going which actually leads me to my final question for you, fellas, before we wrap up today. Next episode, we we get a single. It is a one episode. It is a written. Bottle. It is yeah. It is written a bottle episode written by uh, the writers of one of your favorite shows. I know Stephen, The Americans, um, is the writer, and it's directed by a person uh, who who directed on The Crown. 
So just purely based on those stylistic things, I feel like a very espionage dialogue heavy episode could be in. Uh, Charles, what do you think is likely that we might get before our next big three episode arc? If you were a Gilroy and you were like, all right, I'm making the schedule, what's coming up? Dude, I don't know. If it's a one-off and and Diego Luna talks so much about how this is an ensemble show, what if we get an, an episode that Cassian's not even in? Like, what if we got one that just focused on, like, a rebellion battle? You learn more about the hierarchy of the rebellion, but Cassian's not there because he walked away. And then we bring him back into the fold after that. I think it could be interesting. I think that could be it. I My guess is it's Saw Gerrera. Yeah, Ooh. we do know he comes in at some point, don't we? <laughs> we do. Yeah. Yeah. Call it war. war. Yeah. Great line. Yeah, that could be down. That could be great. I see Rocky in the chat. You're thinking maybe Saw Guerrero K2. I'd be down for except Alan Tudyk has said he's not in season one. Yeah, people lie all the time. But, you know, um, I, I I think personally, it would be really cool to have an entire um, Mon Mothma centric episode mm-hmm. of just her when she leaves the Senate with the iPad of like, you know, all the, all the Twitter <laughs> alert that like, hey, rebellion's going on. Um, I want to see her going through a day in her life episode of like she gets up in the morning and it's very quiet and you know she has a fight with her with her with parents. Well, parents laying there wearing a CPAP for sure. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> parent has a CPAP and she's like, I, I, she's like, I can't sleep without it. He's like, I can't breathe without it. Jeez, <laughs> um, that would be great. But just to, like, gotta go through her day as a senator, kind of see what she's doing, all her clandestine meetings, dealing with this. Uh, that would be what I would love personally the most. But well, wasn't, um, wasn't she supposed to have a dinner? Like, isn't there supposed to be a dinner? Oh, it where... happened off screen. Yeah, it was off screen. Oh, it did happen off yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it, we saw the morning after. Lame. I was thinking it was yet to happen. <laughs> we, you it could have see, been a it? good scene. Sky. Oh. What, uh, who's that character we wanted to see? The Slymore. Ball creep- Slymore, yeah. yeah. That's what I was hoping for. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so. Oh, I, I, dang it. Yeah. We, <laughs> We got to put we it skipped, in the comic. We skipped the awkward dinner and got the awkward breakfast. That's what exactly. happened. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm sure there will be awkwardness next week. But like, as as we're ending up today, I just want to say what what a miracle that we're watching this show. Uh, I think that we 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 talked so much about the political and emotional intricacies of this, but also at the top. We did admit this is one of the most visually stunning things in the history of Star Wars in 45 freaking years. Like, I I am just so amazed that this episode happened. Um, and I think if you want to go all filmmaking uh, outside macro, next episode will probably be a bit cheaper. Right? It's probably very expensive uh, to, to make all these effects. But, I mean... As the girl rise have shown, if with Andor, you can put two people in a room and they can talk for 50 minutes. And that's uh, I'm I'm enraptured. Yeah, um, I I also will say in terms of the miracle of this show, um, when they first announced. So however many I think it was four years ago that they announced that Andor. Yeah, I think it was. It was 2018, Jeez, I think, yeah. that they announced that Andor is going to be a thing. Wow. And when they first did, I was like, why? Like, who is yes. Who is this show for? Who ca- like we all know he dies eventually, but I, it's for us. <laughs> it's honestly like I'm I'm so happy to be proven wrong because I wasn't excited at all for this show and now it's like my favorite thing. Yeah. Oh, we're so happy. 
Um, and to all of you in the chat, I'm seeing how much you all are loving it so much. Bert, I have not gone back and rewatched the trailers for Andor yet, but I am going to do that probably when it's over. Because, y'all, here's a last little Easter egg. If you haven't watched the Rogue One r first trailer in a while, go do that. None of those lines are in the movie. Uh, so it's, really, it's, a different, it's a different film. So I, I'm really excited to go back. And Oh, my gosh, we didn't even talk about Cyril getting, eating cereal and getting berated by his mom more. And uh, there's so many things to come in another half of the season. I can't wait. I don't yeah. – I just – I want to know what, what's – okay, real quick. I know we got to go. Real quick, though. Do it. Do it. Two things. So we're, we're seeing two different characters. So Cyril, is that his name? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cyril Karn. And then who's the girl in the um, ISB? Dedra. Yeah, Dedra. So we're seeing two people who are trying to fight for something that they're passionate about in their cause, and no one, no one is here for it. They get shot down. Both sides are just like, no, just like quit, quit doing this thing. It's it's not worth it. Yep. My theory, theory is, is that one of them or both of them are going to go in different directions. And one of them I think is going to become sympathetic for the rebellion. And the other one's going to become just double down on, on the empire. Um, and I, I, like I think, I think it's going to be that Cyril becomes sympathetic of, or he, he really wants to be part of the empire. And I think it's going to be to his demise. And mm -hmm. Dedra is, I think eventually going to become like recognize what's going on and become sympathetic for the rebellion. Ooh, I, like I think that. it's possible. I think it ultimately we'll have to see what, what uh, Ciro's uncle, Jack Harlow, uh, who I'm assuming it is, is who that is. Um, it's going to bring in and is he oh, good yeah. or bad? <laughs> it's uncle Harlow. That's his name. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's uncle Harlow. I'm like, come on now. <laughs> he's going to go to college game day and then he's going to join the empire again. It's going to be great. Uh, I do think one of them is, is going to maybe go. I, I agree. I think the split is going to be interesting, but I love the way that Dedra is like just putting those pieces together, putting those pieces together. And when she finally figures out the plan, will she think it's a good enough plan that she will also join? Or does she have all the evidence that she needs to make a presentation to ISB to destroy them? Either way, you, it's going to be hella good TV. Are you a fish or are you a thief? That's her line from the trailer. So It is. I ask myself that every single day. <laughs> And everyone else, I hope you ask, you know what? Are you a fish or are you a thief? Let us know, um, both in our YouTube comments and our Discord. Everyone's been hanging out. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We freaking love this show. We still have a half season to go. Um, cannot wait for more Andor. Steven, thank you for joining us on this Thanks Saturday. Of course, man. Well, We're definitely going to have you back to chat all about this spectacular show. And everyone else, thank you for watching and listening to this episode of Bounty Hunt. Keep your eyes out for our next hunt when we will be diving into that bottle episode, episode seven of Andor. And remember, Rings of Power is now over. House of the Dragon is almost over. So eventually it'll only be Andor. Uh, we're living in the best TV timeline. I love it so much. A special thank you goes out to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, Robert Thomas, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and James T, Elizabeth Cloutier, Ashley Ingalls, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. Go ahead and tell us all your thoughts about Discord and our Discord community, or about Andor. I messed it up. I usually get that. About Andor and our Discord community at utini.com slash Discord. Use those spoiler tags, please. Follow the main show on Twitter at LivingForcePod and all of us individually for our latest thoughts about all things Star Wars. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Corey M. Helton. Charles is at C. Henkel. And Steven is at Steven Smith 88 Until next time, are you a thief or are you a fish? I don't know. We'll see you next time.
Bye, everybody! Oh, yeah, Before he's gonna end this, we'll see when it ends. You've been listening to the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Yeah? Good. To learn more about other Utini Patreon exclusives, visit utini.com.